everyone, and welcome back to episode three of the Village Podcast by Intentional Studios. I'm your host, Adelaide, and this season we are taking you through the idea of hope, and all of our guests are sort of linked into that. Um, our intention here is really to dive deep and to tell important stories in order to bring light because we believe that no matter what life throws at you, it really does take a village to get you out of it. Today is a really, really interesting episode. It's with a girl that I actually met online during lockdown named Sarah, and she runs a business called Soul and Lunar Healing. It's very new, and we we talk a lot about that in the episode. She is a gorgeous, vibrant young girl, but she has the most amazing story, especially over the last couple of years, dealing with chronic pain and illness and loss and a lot of body image issues, which a lot of us women can relate to. And we delve really deep into all of this in this episode. It's a really powerful one. Um, There's a lot of vulnerability in there as we both sort of share parts of our stories We talk a lot about healing, um, healing all aspects of our lives and really what those journeys looked like for the both of us and some little things that kind of have helped us along the way. I've actually been working with Sarah for the past few weeks with one of her mentorships and she's just the most incredible energy to be around. So I'm being a little crash test dummy for anyone that's listening as well, if you are ever interested at the end of the podcast to jump on and have a look at her work. She's really incredible um, at what she does. And I think she has a really great foundation and understanding of a lot of the stuff that we talk about because of her own personal journey through that pain. So I hope you get a lot out of the episode. I want to flag as well. We actually had a technical issue halfway through that her mic dropped out. So you'll notice the sound shift. Um, So just ignore that one and keep going because there's lots of (laughs) pearls of wisdom out the other side of that one. But yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode too and anyone's healing journey. So please feel free to um, hit us up on Intentional Studios or even Sarah at Soul and Luna um, and let us know what you think and what your journey through similar issues may potentially be. Enjoy the episode, guys. Hi, Sarah. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's so great to finally talk to you. I just can't believe it. We're we're actually internet friends. We met in lockdown <laughs> online, so we haven't met in real life. So it's really great to actually be able to have a conversation with you. I know. And I feel like we've been planning our shoot together for literally like five months now. Like I swear, yes. like the minute I started Soul and Luna, I like messaged you. I was like, all right, let's shoot. And then lockdown happened. And I was like, yep, never mind. <laughs> and it's so funny because I feel that like reversed as well. The minute we then started chatting and I was thinking about starting the podcast, we kept talking about these things and I'd go, stop, stop talking. Like we got to wait and talk about this on the <laughs> podcast. So I know. Uh, You're like, no, 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 not now. Not now. Not just now. Wait, a like, Shut it down. wait a couple of Shut months. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also just launched your pod- podcast, so that's really exciting as well. So it's been great to hear a bit of your story um, mm-hmm. on that. But thank you for jumping on here. So we can jump straight in. Let's start with your inspiration. So is there any inspo you found this week or in general or what were you, are you wanting to bring to everyone? Oh, amazing. Well, I actually get most of my inspiration in terms of quotes and just like the brand identity all from Pinterest um, and creating vision boards. And I came across a quote a few weeks ago that I actually um, ended up posting on my feed and I use um, with my clients a lot and it's gut feelings are guardian angels. And I just think that quote is so beautiful because it just really illustrates, um, your intuition and the power of your intuition and learning to tap into it. And that's essentially what I'm all about and what I always advocate with my clients about as well. So that's my inspo gut feelings are guardian angels. I love that. I feel like we'll get probably get a little bit more into that because I would love to know. Um, We can talk a little bit about that intuition and how we can cultivate that maybe a little bit more in our lives. But the one I wanted to bring to the table was something I actually posted up on my story last night and then you reposted it too. So I thought it was probably quite fitting for us to jump into in this app. And it was 
Brene Brown posted it. She's an amazing, amazing speaker. And uh, it was an article that was in the Harvard Business Review and it was all about imposter syndrome, particularly with women in the workplace. And she's Mm. put a little quote up here that I think really illustrates it. And it's just something I hadn't, a perspective I hadn't really heard of before. And I thought it was was quite interesting. And it says, even if women demonstrate strength, ambition, and resilience, our daily battles with microaggressions, especially expectations and assumptions formed by stereotypes and racism, often push us down. Imposter syndrome as a concept fails to capture this dynamic and puts the onus on women to deal with the effects. Workplaces remain misdirected towards seeking individual solutions for issues disproportionately caused by systems of discrimination and abuses of power. Oh, I just think that is such a massive one because yeah. I don't know about you, but for me, imposter syndrome was something I've always, I think I said it yesterday, even with this podcast, I've been feeling all of this imposter syndrome and I'd never understood the perspective of, okay, well, maybe this could actually be society coming in and impacting me yeah. as well and not just myself. I mean, how, yeah. how have you, how have you found like your journey with him? Do you? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like, this is like so, um, applicable to my life. And I, I feel like everyone deals with imposter syndrome in their own unique way, no matter what you're kind of doing, um, what kind of profession you're in, whatever you're passionate about. It's like this imposter syndrome always creeps in. And I was really like dealing with it when I first started Sol and Luna, because Sol and Luna was birthed as a hobby account. It was birthed as a outlet for me to be spiritual and to do readings for free. It was, I wanted to do readings for free for people because I thought, you know, a couple people will connect and it'll be just this nice little corner of the internet. And it blew up. It blew up a lot quicker than I ever could have prepared myself for. And I kind of propelled myself into a space where I became an Oracle card reader and I became a mindset coach. And when I kind of, even like still when I say the word mindset coach, I'm like, oh, like, am I, am I a mindset coach? Like, am I, do I fit the criteria? Do I have this? Do I have that? And then when you shared that post on your story about women and imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, that is so true. It's like, we always have to go that extra step that extra little level to prove ourselves. Um, but why aren't we enough the way that we are? And that's when I was really reflecting on that question, particularly within my business. I was like, why do I even feel the need to justify my work or, you know, even sometimes like prices. I just recently Mm. went through a bit of guilt because I raised my offerings because I realized I had invested essentially 10K into training and I was like, how can I be offering these services for X amount when I've, you know, invested this much? And I had so much guilt around raising that price because of this imposter syndrome. And I was like, how can I, you know, raise my prices by that much and expect people to pay that much when I'm just little old me? You know, like when I'm just me, you know, I work from home, post a few things on Instagram, like how, how can I justify people paying that much? And that's when that imposter syndrome really creeped in. And I had to like really reflect and journal on it for a few days because it's always a constant battle. And one of my coaches always says this quote to me, Sal, she always says that there's a devil at every level. <laughs> I love that. And when It's so good. It's so good. And when she said it to me, cause I was talking to her about it, I was like, Oh, like, I just feel so bad. And she was like, there's going to be a devil at every level. And this is your devil now. That's so crazy. I, I love that because I feel like the imposter syndrome almost gets worse as you up level because you feel mm-hmm. like you should be feeling more secure. And I think in that article, they were kind of talking about that, about how sort of in a, in the masculine space, men get validated in the workplace and then that will keep raising. Whereas for women, it's almost like an opposite happens sometimes mm-hmm. and we don't feel, and I think that power balance between the masculine and the feminine is really what's at play here. Cause I also think, and you being a mindset coach would fully understand this, that we are also in businesses that are very different to the traditional mold. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're sort of being validated in a very different way and having to navigate a brand new space that is essentially, I think, a little bit more feminine because we are living more in alignment with, you know, what we want to be doing and where we want to be going instead of working the traditional nine to five. So it's hopefully a good thing, but then sort of battling that new ground. Also, the imposter syndrome really starts to jump in there because it's it hasn't been done before as well for a lot of us or it's so new to a lot of us. Yeah, and it's almost like a ter- – I mean, even with mindset coaches, I had no idea that mindset coaching was even a profession or a job or whatever exactly. until not that long ago. And yeah. then I was like, what's this? You know, like how – because I guess like my – like my background was I was studying to be a lawyer. So I was at university with a double degree in politics and law. I'm still, I'm still enrolled. I deferred for this semester, but I'm in my third year. And that's a very masculine dominated industry. Mm. And it was, you know, you've got to work really hard for your money, works hard and being a lawyer is shit. (laughs) And, you know, you're not going to love your job and you're going to as a woman in that industry, especially if you're up at a firm in Sydney, you're going to have to work your ass off and you're going to have to really be a dominant figure. Yeah. And I was like, so this whole concept of work being hard and having to prove myself has really been rooted in my studies and in this perception that I had of the legal industry and what I was entering. So it was almost like I had to prepare myself. All right. So when you graduate, you're going to have to prove yourself because if you don't get this grade, no law firm's going to look at you. And it just became this perpetual cycle of needing to prove myself. So that really mirrored when I started mindset coaching because it's essentially an industry that you can enter whenever you want. You know, I didn't have to, in Australia, you don't have to get certified. You do not have to get a degree. Um, I think it's important to get training. I think it's important to invest in your own coaches to do whatever training suits you. Like, for example, I'm going to be doing my Reiki training um, next month. Amazing. I've invested in a I know, and I invested in um, a healer's course that will go on for about four months um, to help with, like, trauma and rewiring the brain. So I do think it's important to invest. Um, But, yeah, it's an industry where you can just, you know, jump in whenever you want and you have to – the thing is, again, you have to prove yourself. Why are you worthy of that title? Why are you worthy of getting clients? And as a woman – you don't realize how hard that is. And I think what I had to learn was to get out of that masculine of to-do lists and crossing everything off and doing this, doing that, and always being on the go and realizing you're a cyclical being. Yeah, You cannot function in that kind of energy 24-7. Like it's just not possible. You will burn out. You, yeah. <laughs> trust me, you will burn out if you stay in that masculine. And once I started to honor my feminine and this cyclical nature of myself is when my business actually really flourished. Um, but you're right, you know, as, as you grow, <laughs> as you grow that there's another little imposter syndrome thing <laughs> popping up and it's like, Oh, I thought I was done with you. Um, and it just keeps reappearing. Well, I guess then I really want to know a little bit more about you and your business. So take us back to the start and um, tell us a little bit about Sol and Luna and then your journey there. Okay. Well, the start wasn't that long ago, so it's not like I have to dive back very far. (laughs) Um, I started Sol and Luna two months ago. Um, Yeah, almost three months, almost three months now. That's amazing. I just can't (laughs) believe that. Like I said, I was um, enrolled in my law degree. I was at university. I was working part-time at Woolworths, um, (laughs) which I have resigned from now, which is so exciting. Um, But, yeah, like I was – it was just a – I would say it was a mundane way of living. I was exhausted. I had never given myself a break. And I started Soul and Luna, like I said before, as this little corner of the internet where I could express express myself spiritually because – on my personal account, not everyone was spiritual. Not everyone was connected to that kind of idea. So um, I was never in the position that I wanted to impose my ideas on anyone. So I was like, oh, I'll just start 
an Instagram and I literally was on my couch at like nine o'clock at night and I was like, create an Instagram account. And I was like staring at the username and I was like, ah, oh, what am I going to call it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like thinking, I was thinking and then, um, the name Sol and Luna popped in my mind. Like it just literally appeared and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Um, <laughs> I like that one. So I just like popped it in and I actually was Sol and Luna readings um, but now I'm soul and lunar healing to co- encompass more of what I wanted to bring yeah. forward. Um, and I just started it. I just started and made a logo on Canva, posted, <laughs> posted. Uh, I was like, hey, I'm doing like free Oracle card readings. Um, let me know if you if you want one. And I had 15 people in the first week. Um, and once I had, <laughs> yeah, 15, I was like, okay, That's what have amazing. I done? That's <laughs> amazing. Like what have I done? Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be busy. I'm going to be a little busy bee. Um, and like I said, I wasn't prepared for it. But um, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. And it was really, um, I guess it was really fundamental in it, from the universe to be like, this is why everything's happened to you because of this. This is this is why you went through X, Y, Z for three years because we wanted to give you this. We wanted you to come to this position. Um, I mean, and I can I can touch on my journey a little yeah. bit as well. Let's go. Let's um, dive in because that let's. just almost gave me goosebumps just then. And I yeah. think obviously, um, obviously that this this season of the podcast, this overarching theme of hope. I mean, this is why I wanted to get you on because. Even I know that feeling, that moment where you sit there and you're like, oh my God, this is the reason I went through that, this, Mm -hmm. you know, and you drop straight into that. It's quite powerful and it's obviously still always going to be a journey, but your story I think is, yeah, just the most beautiful example of that. So if you're ready, let's go back and, and have a chat about it. Absolutely. I'm always ready. And when you told me the theme was hope, if you were to tell me that you know, two years ago, if you were to be like, okay, themes, hope, I would be like, what's that? I don't have that. I don't, I don't know what hope is. I don't have hope. Um, and yeah, so basically, um, right now I'm 21 years old. So when I was fresh out of high school, I was, you know, 18 years old. We were about to fly over to America cause I'm half American. So I've got a lot of fam. I've got my whole mum's side over there and yeah. we were going to go visit for my graduation. And I remember it was like, it was the 23rd of January and I woke up in like a lot of pain, like in my stomach. And I was like, Oh, what is this? Like I had never had any health issues when I was younger, never sick. The only like surgeries I had was like my wisdom teeth and to get my ear pinned back because it stuck out but that's another story um but like I was I was healthy and I ignored this pain we flew overseas and uh, when we were in Canada and when we we're in America I could not leave bed I was so sick I was so sick and I was in so much pain and it got to the point where we were, where we were like oh we might have to fly home because you'll need you need to go to hospital and American healthcare is just so expensive that it was cheaper for us to fly back to Australia for me to come to hospital here than to even go wow. to the ER over there. But I was like, no, no, like let's persevere. Like I'm not flying 14 hours home. <laughs> like let's just see the end of the holiday out. Um, but yeah, we flew home and like two days later I was in hospital and they had no idea what was wrong with me. They ran tests, no idea. And the pain was just getting excruciating at this point. And you know, they did a surgery and nothing came of it, took out my appendix, but it was healthy. Um, and that was, that marked the beginning of a, of a two year journey, um, where I ended up having, um, 10 surgeries within two years. Um, nine of them were to try and figure out what was wrong with me. The 10th, they figured it out. (laughs) Um, and I had, chronic pain in my stomach, my pelvis, my legs, my back and my shoulders. So it's probably easier for me to explain what didn't hurt because everything did and everything still does hurt. Um, just not to that level it was. And it was, I couldn't walk, um, some days, like I couldn't get myself out of the bathtub. I couldn't have a shower. Like it was for an 18, 19 year old, it was, it was, back then I would use the word embarrassing because people would want to go out like, Oh, let's go, 
to town, let's go out, let's drink. And I'd be like, I can't even walk. Like, but nothing, they couldn't pinpoint what was wrong with me. And the doctor's just being like, oh, you've got chronic pain. You're going to have to be on medication for the rest of your life. I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, I'm 19 years old. How can I just accept that this is my life now? And I remember like my, as anyone would then, my mental health just deteriorated rapidly and I was suffering with really bad depression and anxiety because I couldn't leave. The, I was in bed five, six days a week. Um, I couldn't do anything. Um, yeah. So I was gaining weight exponentially as well, um, not only from medication but being essentially bedridden. So I gained like 20 kilos like out of nowhere essentially. Um, so, you know, that does wonders to, um, body image as well. So I was battling that body image issues and self-worth and depression and, and also PTSD from all these medical procedures. Cause I used to have to go up to Sydney, um, and stay up there by myself. And I went up to Sydney one time and I was actually on a, a ketamine infusion and, that was probably like the scariest, most traumatic part of the story because I was hallucinating in a hospital bed alone in Sydney and no one could visit me because it was so far away. I was up in Randwick um, and I was stuck there for about five to six days. But the point of me going on the ketamine drip was to calm my nervous system down so I could sit my law exams <laughs> because I couldn't wow. sit in a study hall with everyone for three hours and sit an exam. Um, so the doctor was like, we're going to have to really shut down your nervous system for you to sit. And I was like, well, I need to pass these exams. <laughs> you know, I've got I've to get these good grades so I get into this law firm and I do this. So do whatever it takes. Yeah. And we did. And I ended up, you know, getting HDs and I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I survived that um and yeah it just kept getting worse and it kind of just kept snowballing until um they figured out what was wrong with me it was a really obscure vascular condition um called May Therner. and basically I wasn't getting enough blood back to my heart so all the veins on my left hand side were closed essentially they were about 90 percent closed um, hence why I was having really bad pains and swelling of the legs and all this stuff. And then because of COVID, um, my surgery was deemed elective, so I couldn't get it. So they were like, oh, here's your diagnosis. We know what's wrong with oh you, or at least God. we know what's wrong with a part of you, but we can't do anything about it until COVID ends. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> so I had the diagnosis and then I didn't get the surgery until a year later. Oh my God. Um, so I just had to keep like, yeah, I just had to keep battling it and being like, okay, great. We know what's wrong with me. Uh, and then I had the stent put in this year actually. Um, and I'm on blood thinners. I have to get regular ultrasounds and meetings with my surgeons and I still am in pain. Um, so this condition was only like one aspect of it and they have no idea what's wrong with the rest of my body and the pain and any of the symptoms I have, they've literally got no idea. Um, so I, I literally, I'm still in chronic pain. I am still a chronic pain sufferer. Um, it's not as bad as it was, but a really big, um, I guess, turning point for me was the change in my mindset. And I was like, well, if I can't help my body, if we don't know what's wrong with my body, my mind is so powerful. So let me tap into that. How can I, how can I change my mindset? Because I remember I had told like my mom, I was like, if this is going to be my life, like if I'm going to be in pain like this, I'd rather die. Like I'd rather be dead than live like this. Yeah. And I think once I said that out loud, I was like, fuck, this is bad. <laughs> like yeah. I need, how can I help myself? And then I guess that's how I kind of merged um, into being a mindset coach because I've been there. So when clients would come to me and they'd be like, oh, I've got PTSD and depression and um, I've been suffering with body image and whatever, I was like, I've been there and yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. 
I know how to get out of that. And I still will always recommend seeing psychologists because I saw a psychologist and I think I see so much um, benefit in it. So I still recommend that to my clients, but I think working with a psychologist and a mindset coach is such a beautiful mix because yeah. mindset coaching really incorporates this beautiful aspect of spirituality and spiritual health that I truly think is just so valuable to healing your mindset. Um, and then, yeah, that's exactly how I became a mindset coach. I kind of had that epiphany where I was like, you know, before I'd always be like, why me? Like, why is this happening? Like, why can I not just go out like everyone else? Why can I not, you know, wear the skirts and wear the shorts like everyone else? Cause my legs were so swollen. And then I was like, oh, it's happening to me or it happened to me because this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to help other people get out of that. So they don't get to that point of I'd rather be dead than this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's exactly how I did it and how I kind of decided that this was in, in alignment with what I was meant to do when I was like, yeah, okay, this happened to me because this is what I was born to do and what I'm here to do. Had you done any of this stuff prior to that? Like, had you been a card reader prior to that as well? Like, was it always sort of within you and then it just kind of came out or was this a brand new discovery? Well, um, not really. So I wasn't spiritual at all. Um, I, my mum would always talk about the universe and I would really be dismissive of it. I'd be like, what's the universe? Like, this is bullshit. Like, um, you know, I just would really be dismissive of it. And then it wasn't until my grandma passed away. So I actually lost both of my grandparents this year, like my grandmothers. Um, I lost my pop when I was 18 and then I lost both of my grandmothers within four months. Um, but it was my first one passed away. She was a spiritual woman. And when she was dying, I said to her, you know, like just reappear in my life as a white butterfly. Like, just give me that sign. Let me know that you're okay. Cause I, I did believe in spirits. Like I knew that we were, you know, that we believed in spirits and that we were spirits. And, and then I was driving on the freeway and a white butterfly flew across my windscreen. And I was like, what is a white butterfly doing out here? And that's when I was like, okay, what's going on? I'm having a few signs. I've never had these signs before. What is this all about? And that's when I saw the word Reiki. And um, I had always had strong intuition, but I just always had believed that everything was a coincidence. Um, yeah. And now I will never say that word again. I don't believe in coincidences. Um, everything happens for a reason. And the word Reiki appeared and I was like, what is Reiki? And I looked it up on Instagram. (laughs) I just literally looked up the word Reiki. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Um, and the first person that popped up was Casey from Restore Reiki. Um, and I messaged her and I still have the messages and I was like, what's Reiki? And and she was like, yeah, I was like, Hey, what's this word? I just saw this word. What is it? Like, Hey, sorry for the random message. I don't know who you are. Um, but what is this? And she messaged me back this big response and explained it beautifully. And I was like, Oh, cool. And then I went out for breakfast with a friend of mine from work and we, it was a really rainy day. It was like storming. We're at uni and we're at a cafe and we were eating. And then I said to her, I was like, what's Reiki? Like I just, I just felt like asking her and she like dropped her cutlery and she's like, why did you say that? And I was like, I don't know. What is it? Like, I just keep saying the word Reiki. And she was like, I'm a Reiki practitioner. Like I'm trained. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And she's like, I've never told anyone at work. Like, how did you know? I was like, I don't know. Wow. I like I just felt like asking you. And I was like, I feel like I'm being called for something. And then as I said that, the clouds parted and this sun ray hit both of us and it was just us on the, like, all, everyone around us was still in the darkness, like in the clouds, but the light was on us. And she looked at me and was like, you need to tap into something like you're being called for something. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And. Oh, my yeah. God. 
that I know. is and then, so insane. I know. And every time I tell that story, I'm still like, what the hell? And she actually told me, she was like, you need to get these Oracle cards. Like these work your life. And I use them. They're the, my favorite deck. And I was like, okay, I'll get them. So I just bought them from Big W and, you know, I sat at home and read the little booklet and I was like, okay, what's this card mean? What's this? And I was like, this is fun. And then I started doing readings for some of my friends and then a friend of mine was really spiritual as well and was like, do a reading for me. And then I started doing readings and I started to develop my interpretation of the cards and I got really good at it and I started to be able to strengthen my intuition because I always talk about how your intuition is a muscle that's the way that I talk about it and teach it and that you need to use it to strengthen it and to get even better. Yeah. And my intuition just got stronger and stronger to the point where I was like predicting things and like I've got a best friend of mine and it's gotten to the point now where like she cannot never surprise me. Like I will guess everything. I know everything before she can even tell me it she's like she doesn't even hint it to me and I just know so once I realized I had that gift I went to my mum and I was like oh yeah this universe shit's pretty real hey like (laughs) this is pretty legit and she was like I know I tried telling you three years ago (laughs) um so to answer your question in short no I wasn't spiritual during my during my health journey my predicament but I definitely became spiritual as a product of it um and that's incredible I'm just just grateful (laughs) that is just incredible and for people playing along at home do you want to give a little brief explanation as to what Reiki actually is because I when you were just talking about that balance between having um you know your sort of psychology and then the the mindset coach as well in in healing Mm. I've always been a big advocate of that I've been seeing Reiki practitioners for years because I mean Mm. I was the same there was that I think for so long you can dismiss it as just being woo-woo but the minute you experience it and feel it you kind of just can't deny it anymore you're just like holy shit and I and like I would try to, like what you said, that you kind of opened that portal to your intuition. You know, I've tried for a very long time to not shut mine down, but it almost has scared me. And I remember Mm. I got to a point where I was like almost not doing Reiki on myself, but could feel my energy points. And then I did it to a girlfriend as like a, just to muck around. I was like, can I just see if you can like feel any of this? And I was just going through and anyway, and she just started crying by the end of it. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was like, oh, sorry. But like, you just don't even realize your own power, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. What, what is Reiki and what is your interpretation of it in terms of being a healing modality? Beautiful. Well, look, I probably won't explain it the best. Um, not as good as taking it with me anyways, but (laughs) my, um, interpretation of it is it's just this beautiful movement of energy. So Reiki is works all primarily on energy and you need to be trained, um, in order to practice Reiki and Reiki has been handed down through generations and years. And you've got to be trained by someone that's a master. And it's like this spoken word, beautiful training that's just really come through history. Um, But essentially just works on energy and your chakras. So you've got like seven chakras and um, the Reiki healer or practitioner can sense these energy portals and what might be a little bit out of whack, balanced, imbalanced, whatever it may be, and they clear that blockage um, through particular signs and hands and they can either work hands-on or hands-off it doesn't really matter it's completely up to the practitioner and the client um and it's just like this energy clearing slash like top up in a sense so when you're feeling really energetically drained they just help call your energy back into your body um and your aura and cleanse that aura um and just work through your chakras and see what's going on and particularly when they do work through these chakras they can be able to identify um memories or particular pain symptoms or physical symptoms that you might be having due to a blockage of that chakra. So for example, um, 
when I had my first session, I had a, a blockage in my um, solar plexus chakra and she saw it manifesting as lower back pain. And she was like, do you have unexplained lower back pain? I was like, I was like yeah, I do. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> and literally I have unexplained pain everywhere. And she was like, yeah, it's manifesting in the solar plexus. Um, do you struggle with body image? And I was like, yes, like, <laughs> of course I do. And um, once that happened, I was like, wow, this shit's pretty real, hey. And mm. I had no idea what the session was. I actually went with my friend, the one that was introduced me to the Oracle cards, and she was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I don't know, like, what is this? I don't care. Like, I'll lie on the table, do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> do your thing. Yeah. And then she was doing it. Um, I just had the most beautiful like visualizations and the spirits came into the room and my grandma presented herself and it was just such a magical session that when I, when I went out and I went back inside in my car and I called my friend and I was like, I just had a Reiki session. She's like, what's Reiki? I was like, I don't know, but you need one. I was like, I cannot explain what just happened in that room. And then I saw her at work because we worked together at Woolworths. <laughs> like we had this spiritual side to ourselves and we would just like reunite at work. She was like, hey, how are you feeling? And I was like, I don't know. Hey. And she was like, bad? And I was like, incredible. Like yeah. I just can't pinpoint the magic of it. And that's why, like what you said, you need to experience it to get it. Like I could sit here and try and explain Reiki for a whole hour of this podcast, but it will not be as powerful as you going into that room and really experiencing it for yourself. Hence why I was like, I need to do this. I need to be trained. I want to use this modality. Um, I need this magic in my life and I'm, and I'm being called for it. Um, and then I was meant to do my level one and then lockdown hit. Um, but hopefully fingers crossed, next month is when I'm going to be doing my level one. Mm, it seems like a beautiful addition to everything that you're offering as well. So yeah, exactly. And that's why I wanted to do it. Cause I was like, how can I keep expanding? Like how can I offer my clients even more than mindset? Cause I want to, my goal would be to incorporate mindset and embodiment. Yeah. Do it all that. in this beautiful um, little package. And I thought, um, Reiki and EFT training would be really beautiful modalities to kind of harness this energy and um, include with my clients. So yeah. that would be so my powerful. take on Reiki. <laughs> and even, um, even, I mean, I don't know too much about this other course, but what you mentioned before about all the neural pathways and like I've found that to be really instrumental in my healing journey as well. So that addition to you've really just got this mm. holistic, it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I guess as someone that's gone through a lot of the Western medical system as well, I just think that sometimes these alternate modalities can start to explain some of the unexplained in certain mm-hmm. aspects, if you know what I mean. And I think, yeah, you you saying that in terms of even the lower back pain and, um, you know, the last podcast I was on, we were talking a lot about the emotional connections to all of our physical pain and how that starts to manifest. And I think once you start doing a deep dive and experiencing it for yourself, yeah, it's pretty hard to not understand and believe in it as well. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to dismiss it. And I think the reason why I kind of dived a little bit into these um, different modalities is because I'm such an analytical person. Um, like hence why I'm a law student and it was like I need an answer like you cannot tell me that this is unexplained you just cannot tell me and if you won't tell me I'll find someone that will yeah um and that's kind of when I went down this path of being like all right what's this what's that like someone tell me someone give me an answer because this thing just can't pop up out of nowhere you've got to tell me what's wrong yeah that's it. And it's never like, just as a disclaimer, obviously, um, Western medicine definitely has its place, but oh, absolutely, you know, we all need it. I can attest to that too. I'd be dead right now if it wasn't for Western medicine, but like, oh, me too. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent. But to have that and exactly what you're saying, that secondary, really beautiful offering that can kind of nurture you is yeah, it's something really special. 
Yeah, I'm excited no, for you. I know, I'm excited. And I will always testify that Western medicine, I mean, without Western medicine, I wouldn't have a stent and I probably would have yeah. developed a blood clot yeah. and died. Yeah. Bottom line. So yeah. there's always a place for it. Hence why I always say there's always a place for psychology and psychologists yeah, and psychiatrists. Definitely. Um, yeah. I will never say that um, mindset coaching is supplementary. It is complementary mm. um, and there's yeah. a very big difference between the two. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'm kind of just growing and thriving. <laughs> and it's exciting. what you where the wind takes me. <laughs> yeah. You're the butterfly now. <laughs> I am. I'm just flying away. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I love it. I wanted to touch quickly because I know we mentioned it in some of our messages and it was one of the things I wanted to talk about and you've obviously brought it up and so much of my work is around empowering women and, you know, we're talking about this masculine and feminine energy and, I mean, body image in the feminine energy is just like it's a thing. We are battling it every mm-hmm. single day, all of us as women. And I wanted to chat to you a little bit about that because I know we briefly spoke about it Um and you've just mentioned it. So what's been your journey through there and how are you starting to come out, hopefully coming out the other side of that? Yeah, hopefully. Um, no, hopefully. Um, <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> just making sure. Can you imagine? No, I'm fine, yeah. everyone. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I gained 20 kilos um, in this journey of mine. I actually had dropped – I went – both ways. So I had dropped a lot of weight. So I dropped all of that weight um, and I was really thin, but I looked sick. Like I didn't look like I had just lost weight from eating healthy and working out. Like I looked ill. I I was fragile. Um, and I remember I saw someone that I went to high school with at uni because I was walking around uni and she was like, Oh my God, you've lost so much weight. You look amazing. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, you can see my rib cage, like you can see my hip bones. I, I look sick, like I'm grey. Like I, I, I literally was grey. Like I, my complexion was disgusting um, because I wasn't getting blood flow. Um, and when she said that to me, I was like, is this the standard? Like am I meant to have these hip bones and this, you know, sw- swollen legs and rib cage and that's that's good now people notice me now people Mm. think that I'm attractive and that I'm hot and that I'm ideal and I remember I was just I laughed it off I was like huh and then my friend my other friend was with me and she was like does she know that you're sick and I was like I had such a weird connotation to the word sick Mm. I didn't want to admit that I was sick and I was like no she doesn't know like because no one knew I only told a few people close to me. No one knew. So from an outsider's perspective, I couldn't blame her for saying that because she had no idea, you know. She would have just been like, oh, look at her. Like she's been working out clearly. Like that's how you can drop weight like that Um, because I'd kept it to myself. And then that was like the first, I guess, layer of the the body image um, issues that arose because then I had gained all of this weight back and that was really draining for me because I went from this you know this beauty standard this ideal to you know gaining it all back and I was like I wonder what she would say now I bet she wouldn't say that I look good now like I bet she wouldn't think that I bet everyone that said I looked hot and attractive and this is when I was single as well so um you know getting that male attention it was validating. Yeah. It was yeah. validating in a time where I needed that validation um, to gain this weight back. I was like, wow, I really let myself go. What am I doing? Uh, and then this extra layer of scars kind of popped in. And that's where you and I were talking about that on Instagram. And you were like, nope, save that. Save that for the yep. podcast. Do not, <laughs> do not talk more. <laughs> and um, basically what I was talking to you about um, – and what I'm sharing now, so like I said, I had 10 surgeries. Most of them were keyholes, so very small incisions. They're not massive scars either. I don't have massive scars. Um, but it really changed my perspective on my body. And yeah. I'm going to tie this into bruising as well because that was really prevalent for me. So yeah. um, after my last surgery, I actually had to inject myself twice a day with blood thinners. 
and I had to do it in my stomach. And I'm pretty sure I did send you a photo on Instagram when it wasn't as bad as it was. Yeah. Um, but I had these massive bruises on the inside of my legs from where they went in during surgery. But my stomach had started to swell up from, you know, two injections a day of these blood thinners, which was the most painful injection I've ever had. Um, so my stomach was bruising up. And then once my stomach bruised up to the point where I had hematomas under the skin, I had to move to my legs and start injecting my legs and they started to bruise up. Um, so I had these big black bruises, these hematomas under my skin, um, and scars. I had two scars inside my legs and then I had three or four scars on my stomach from the other surgeries that I had. And I remember I was looking in the mirror after I'd gained this weight, after I had these bruises, these scars, and I just thought, like, who is going to love you now? Because it's not going to be you, right? Because it went from wearing a size eight and fitting into being the thinnest I'd ever been and getting all these compliments and, you know, you look good. What have you done for yourself? And it's like, what have I done for myself? Been on a ketamine infusion for a week. Not that you know about that. Or on endone just to walk here. Like I can't eat because of my endone. Um, and when I kind of looked in the mirror and saw these scars and saw these bruises, I was like, this is just going to be a permanent reminder of the shit that I've been through. Yeah. And why do I always need to be reminded of that with that scar on my belly and the swelling? And my stomach is still bruised <laughs> from, and that was back in April or October. So it's, <laughs> I, I'm still bruised from it. And it's hard to kind of push through that because it's that reminder. And especially when you do suffer with PTSD, it's a trigger, you know, to look yeah. in the mirror and be like, oh, that's just that reminder of that Still surgery. There. That's a reminder of that moment I had in hospital and whatever. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't wear a bikini at the beach. I said wouldn't, but I won't at present tense. Yeah. Um, so that's still like my, my battle. Um, because I just don't want anyone to be like, Oh, what's that from? Yeah. And then it's like, I have to dive into the whole, Oh, just, you know, just something like, uh, just a, it's yeah. a surgery, all good. Um, cause it's such a long story to tell. Um, yeah. and I'm always happy to share it, but you know, sometimes you just want to forget about it for just that. <laughs> That one yeah, moment just, at the beach. <laughs> yeah, you just want to be that chick on the beach in the bikini and not have to, yeah, think about yeah. it. God, the bikini thing I relate to so hard because that's been my, and you know, and my um, my surgery was a lot less severe and I only had one of them, but I just had my appendix out when I was 11. But I just relate to everything you said so bad because it was just before keyhole surgery was a thing. So mine wasn't mm. keyhole. Mine's, I have quite a severe scar because not only did I have the surgery, but the, this is a bit, <laughs> a bit gross for everyone, but the wound <laughs> actually opened up afterwards again. So it oh, didn't wow. stitch up properly. So then the healing process took months and it was, it's, so it's quite mm. a deep, a deep scar. And I think as a, an 11 year old shifting into teenage years as a, as a girl, oh, it was gosh, so, yeah. and I was so like thin before that as well. And it just completely threw me out. But I remember having a few certain moments, like it's so interesting what you said about the male, almost the male gaze aspect of it. Cause I, this incident has always stood out to me and I was in high school and I think I was showing some, like I was just showing someone my scar and these two boys in the, in this classroom looked at me and saw it and both of them just went, that is disgusting. And just went on this like rant. And I just remember, like, I don't think I ever mm. showed anyone ever again. And I was horrified. And, um, and the same thing with the bikini thing, being on a beach, wearing a bikini, I think I did it a few times and I would just get these stare, like, or it probably was in my head, but people would just stare yeah. at me and that thing. So I, I mean, I wear a bikini now, but I wear a high-waisted bikini. So, I mean, all my friends know this, they've never seen me in a normal bikini. I'll wear like a high-waisted mm. bikini or a one piece so that no one asks questions. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. I feel like so much better in my skin when I'm not showing it, but then there's this, you know, this kind of element that's come through that, and you would relate to this as well. I'm sure of, you know, if I didn't have this scar, I would be dead as well. I would have died in hospital. It was quite severe when I got to hospital. Uh, like I almost died before I went into surgery and 
to sort of try and shift my mindset around that. And then I don't know, I don't know what your opinion on this would be. I've been really intrigued by this idea lately of, um, you know, you've got to love yourself first. You've got to love yourself before anyone else will love you. Mm. But I've found this really beautiful correlation between learning to love yourself, but then also having really special people in your life show you your worth as well. And I think there's something really important in that because I've had a lot of, you know, when I first, you know, started seeing people as I got a bit older, um, I would freak out about my scar and I'd have to tell them and I'd be really nervous because I didn't want them to see it and be as repulsed as these boys were in high school. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'd have to preface it and be like, just so you know, you know, like had to like walk around them because I didn't want them to be repulsed by me. And then I just started to date like a couple, like there was a couple of people in particular that were just so beautiful that really held me and would, you know, it, it, it really helped to heal that issue as well as, as much as my own personal healing was doing the same thing. I don't know. How, Mm. how have you, how have you found that at all as well, as well? Mm, That's actually a really interesting quote. And I do hear that a lot. I need to love yourself, you know, before loving anyone else or letting other people love you. And I actually agree with your perspective. So yeah, um, I, if I didn't have like my current partner, um, I don't know where I would have been on my healing journey because he is so nurturing. He's literally the most caring man I've ever met. And he's literally just held me through this whole process. And he was there for my, my last surgery and he's so empathetic as well. So he probably cries about it a bit more than me. Um, but like, he's just held me through it and it helped me guide myself on this journey. So the way that I talk about it, particularly with my clients, when they bring this quote up, like, you know, should I be in a relationship? Should I do this? Is the way that I talk about it is that the most important relationship you have is with yourself. Yeah. And that's, should be your number one priority and that you need to love yourself because you're number one, because you're your only permanent. Yeah. And people get a bit scared when I say that, but it's true. Everyone, everyone around you will die until you're the last man standing. Yeah. So you need to practice that relationship with yourself, that self love practice or whatever it may be for you. And I don't think that is contingent upon fully loving yourself before loving yeah. anyone else. I think it's a beautiful complementary part. Um, but I think before you enter a relationship and allow yourself to be loved and to be vulnerable, you need to understand your worth within your own relationship with yourself. Um, yeah. So that would be my take on that quote. I love that. It's it's mm-hmm. almost a really beautiful, um, or I've found it to be this really beautiful balance between the two. They kind of go back and forth. I know with my self-worth journey, it's almost like I would grow my self-worth and then, you know, I might meet someone and then they would help grow it a little bit more and then mm-hmm. they would leave and then I would grow my I would grow my worth again and then someone else that was even more aligned would come in. And I think that's really important to let people know as well is that, that self-worth thing if you are feeling really lost you can empower yourself to do something about it. And then that, that actually creates the ability for the right people to be coming in, you know, yeah. and then it continues the journey. Exactly. Cause it is a journey and it's not a linear process either. Um, and you don't have to do it alone. And I think it's really important no. to be open and to be vulnerable and allow people to come in and help guide and support you on that, that journey and that process. Um, because if you were to wait until you fully unconditionally loved yourself, I'd <laughs> challenge you to, to think when might that be? <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to get there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, come on, like how long is that going to take you? <laughs> because yeah. it is like, it's not a linear process and there's always going to be something else popping up for you that you're going to be like, Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Something else, another body image issue, another self-worth, whatever it may be. Yeah. Man, massive. Well, I might fire Mm -hmm. off some like rapid questions for you then just really quickly to finish us off here. So what has been your biggest lesson on your journey into healing slash running your business? They could be different or the same, whatever. Well, I, I would say my challenge um, is actually dropping into my feminine 
um, because I've been in my masculine for a long time. And I've kind of, I think when I started the business, I forgot that I still had chronic pain. Um, like I just forgot about it. So I kind of filled up my plate and my schedule a lot and I've had to reschedule appointments and, you know, I had to cancel a workshop cause I just energetically couldn't do it and mentally couldn't do it. And the challenge for me was being like, you're still that girl, you know, you're still sick to some degree. Yeah. Um, so you still need to look after yourself. So my challenge definitely has been that self care and not feeling guilty about rescheduling. Um, yeah. because sometimes I reschedule like, Oh, I'm so unreliable. They're not going to, think their you know value for money is crap and they're gonna no I'm not gonna get clients because I'm unreliable and I reschedule and it's like no shut up like (laughs) you need to be authentic and to be authentic I need to rest yeah um so like battling that kind of mindset because it always comes back to imposter syndrome and having to (laughs) prove yourself doesn't it it always does um yeah so that would be I feel like they go kind of go hand in hand just acknowledging my healing journey that it is still concurrent with Sol and Luna. I think even as an extension of that though, like you're also empowering and giving permission to other people to rest. You know, when you're talking mm. about your clients, if I was in if I was in your container and that happened, I'd be like, you know what? The next time I'm feeling not great, I'm gonna go and yeah. rest because she can do it, so so can I. You know? Literally. I, I think it's so powerful what you're doing. I hope you don't ever stress about that again. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting used to it now. <laughs> yeah. But man, it's coming full circle back to imposter syndrome. We know that. <laughs> I know. Ugh. Well, the second one is what is the impact that you're trying to make on the world? Ooh, the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stage, the world could be the person just next to you or the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the impact I'm trying to make is that your mind is a lot more powerful than you realize and that you have the power to change that mind. But as an extension of that, you also have the power to create your life. Mm. So settling is not an option because the power of co-creation. And I think that's the kind of what I want to do with my clients is give them the tools to co-create and give them the tools to live in alignment And to understand the power of mindset because your body will give up before your mind does. Mm. So you need to strengthen that mind and realize that if you are in a, in a difficult place or position and you're thinking, why me? Oh, I'll never get out of this. It's time to understand one, the power of your mind and two, how you can harness that energy and that power to get yourself out of that place because you're not stuck. Your body is stuck, so your mind thinks everything's stuck. But if you can separate the two just for that one moment, you will be very surprised at your own power. So that would be my impact is just. Oh, I love yeah. that. Mm. and it's it's powerful and that's you know that's what I always talk about with my clients and why I do what I do because mm. just before you think you can give up and that life shit it's not you just mm. need the tools to yeah. get out of it wow well said that was really beautiful um and to tie us all off uh, what's one thing you wish you could go back and tell your teenage self Oh, my teenage self. Mm, teenage in particular. It's just teenagers, it's such an interesting time. And <laughs> oh God. Um, I'd tell her a few things. Um, I'd tell her to stop crying about that relationship <laughs> because <laughs> it ended for a reason. Yes. <laughs> so stop. Yeah. And stop putting yourself in toxic situations and stop being a toxic person. I think it takes a lot of balls and accountability to acknowledge that you are toxic and she was toxic. She was. And I will say that. Um, so stop being toxic. Yeah. Sarah, number one, number two, that teenage girl that was saying, why me? You wait and see what's going to happen to you when you're 21, babe. Um, yeah. you're going to be running your own business. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that, and that's the two things I reckon. Stop being toxic and you just wait. <laughs> you just wait. I absolutely love that. Oh, what a great pearl of wisdom to end on. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. It's been so amazing to talk to you all about hope and your journey. It's very inspiring and powerful. And I am so excited to watch where the business is going to go next and to meet you and to take photos of you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited to shoot with you, but it has been my absolute pleasure to jump on the podcast. And thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you.